Hello, thank you for listening in. This is Alex Ely, uh, CIO of the U.S. Growth Equity Team here at Macquarie, here to sort through the noise of all the news that's out there, what matters and what doesn't for your long-term investments. Um, a lot to get to. Um, I, I would, should mention that in the future, if you have any questions for me or any things that you want me to address, you can email us at mampodcasts at macquarie.com. And we're happy to answer any of the questions that you have or elaborate on any other issues that we don't cover. First off, uh, let's talk about the pandemic coming to an end, or at least we're, we're hoping that it does. Certainly not worldwide. There's some horrible uh, hotspots that we're seeing in areas like Brazil and in India, um, where they're really having a tough time. But here in the United States, we're seeing vaccinations go very well. Um, we're at a point now where about half of all adults have gotten at least one vaccination throughout the country. We should, we're at about 100 million people that are fully vaccinated here in the US. And we'll be up to about 200 million people uh, fully vaccinated sometime in July, we hope. And what that should uh, signify is that we're getting closer and closer to herd immunity. Um, if you look in Israel, once they got to about 50% of people fully vaccinated, we saw the death rates uh, go to the floor. They're down about 98% from peak. Uh, and we also saw that for case volumes as well. We're starting to see case volumes hooked down. We're starting to see deaths fall dramatically in the US. And it's really important. People act differently when people aren't dying um, from this pandemic. And we're starting to see a variety of reopenings uh, throughout, throughout uh, the country. And this means you're going to enter a positive feedback loop for fundamentals or for the economy as people are able to go do things that they haven't been able to do before. There's just a lot of pent up energy out there. So we're excited. As always, we're optimistic, we're bullish and hopeful for the future. And, and we're very hopeful that uh, we'll be able, that humanity is getting through this and we're getting it to the end uh, of the pandemic in different ways. It, it'll be slow in some spots around the world, but, but it's certainly, uh, we're seeing a lot of indications that it's happening. The next uh, piece of news is really taxes that we've seen. Over the last couple of weeks, we've seen two different tax plans uh, floated in essence by the Biden administration. The first is for cap gains rates to go to 43% for the richest Americans, uh, meaning anyone that's making over a million dollars uh, per year. This represents the top 0.3% uh, of people in the United States that would be paying a 43% cap gains rate. This is way higher than what they're currently paying. Uh, the argument is that a lot of people make money in cap gains and not an in income and that they should pay, be paying a similar level or percentage uh, of their in essence income and taxes, even though it's, it's really just cap gains. So um, that's one introduction that happened. Another was for corporate taxes to go up to 28% from the 20% or so that they're at around today. Um, it's of issue, something to look at, but at the end of the day, um, it, it doesn't disrupt the, the valuation on our companies too much. We've mentioned before that you don't really need to just look at earnings after taxes, but you're looking at a variety of different metrics. In fact, there's a whole host of companies in med tech and in technology that aren't really earning much money at all. So a, a higher corporate tax rate won't hurt them too much. And then finally, uh, the, the, most, the, the most recent one was a movement in income taxes uh, to move up to 39.9% for the richest Americans, or in essence, in this case, anyone making over $400,000. This would be to pay for Biden's newly introduced family care plan, 
um, which is also over a trillion dollars. So we're, we're really seeing trillions and trillions of dollars being spent here. Um, this is, of, of course, of concern. Of course, seeing taxes go up across the board uh, makes people hesitant to invest. Uh, it, it can be a damper on economic activity. And certainly the way it's implemented uh, will be very sensitive too, because if, if you're seeing a lot of these taxes, particularly the cap gains rates, uh, start to increase on January 1st of 2022, we could see corrective activity as people sell off assets to realize lower cap gain rates as we go into year end. So we'll be watching to see how that plays out. Um, the good news, I guess, would be is that, that these are just a sort of starting forays of negotiation uh, for where the rates will eventually end up. So the, these numbers may end up being lower, uh, something like 25% for corporate tax rates and 39% for cap gains. But taxes are going up. Um, personally, uh, you know, I look at taxes as not the greatest thing because the government isn't always, always the, the most efficient allocator um, of money. Uh, but that said, it shouldn't derail long-term disruptions that we see out in the marketplace. Take, for example, and I, I know I've mentioned before, look at a Microsoft, look at an Amazon. These companies have been through literally all kinds of different worries in respect to tax plans and rates and 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 wars and 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 debt bubbles and tech wrecks and so forth. But they've been able to persevere through it because they've been leaders of massive disruption. So for us, if you if you're a leader of a massive disruption that's providing better, cheaper, faster ways of doing things, these macro issues are of note, but they shouldn't derail the longer term opportunities that are in front of them. The next topic is, is rates and inflation. Rates in general have, have flattened off here. We're at about 1.62% on the 10-year as we speak. Um, uh, that's pretty much in line with where it was a month ago. So while rates did move up in anticipation of a reopening, in anticipation of all the spending that we would, will see from the government, um, they haven't continued to move up. Uh, this is what we've been expecting, that, that rates wouldn't fly away. Um, the, the argument that rates would continue to go up is that we're seeing inflation. And we are, but really in materials and food and energy, things like that. If you look at the price of corn or lumber or, or building materials or, or oil, um, those are all up over 100% year on year. So if, uh, on the front of it or the face of it, that would get you to be cautious and say, wow, inflation's running out of control. Um, two things I would mention here. First off, um, you're looking at them versus where they were a year ago, which was really the bottom of the economy. So that, that sort of distorts the actual move up that we've, we've seen in some of these commodities. Uh, and the second part is there are many areas of the economy that are in deflation. Uh, look at commercial real estate. Look at uh, store frontage real estate. Uh, look at uh, what's happening with mobile banking and virtual healthcare and e-commerce or software as a service. Growth in all of those industries are, are dramatically deflationary. And so while there's pockets of inflation, there's pockets of deflation as well. And at the end of the day, I think we see th a pretty steady environment for rates and overall inflation. So uh, this, this is, a, again, something, an area where I think you can dismiss external macro issues as not upending the disruptions that we see. Next is Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin remains in the news. Uh, this is something that we, we just see lots and lots of attention about. I, I've 
talked about on this podcast that particularly at these levels, you should be cautious. Um, we're already at levels that are equal to the size of gold. I, I know that there's scarcity in respect to Bitcoin, um, but at this point, we're off the peak. Um, the Bitcoin corrected about 20%. We saw Dogecoin, which was over $50 billion, literally a cryptocurrency made on a joke, over $50 billion. That's backed off by uh, over 20% as well. Uh, I would just be cautious. I, I know that there's a lot of companies that are entering here and, and making it available for you to invest in Bitcoin. What I would caution you on is this doesn't mean they're investing there. It just means that they're availing their clients uh, to the ability to invest in Bitcoin. Um, this is something that in essence keeps, keeps the, those clients from leaving to go invest in Bitcoin somewhere else. And it also makes these companies somewhat hip in, in terms of bringing in younger investors, millennial, millennial investors uh, into um, onto their books. So uh, while it's of interest and, and while it's interesting, I, I continue to, to spread caution in respect to Bitcoin. Uh, I, I've seen these sort of manias before and, and they often don't end well. Okay, the next topic is the semi-shortage that we're seeing, particularly for the auto sector. Um, there is a semiconductor shortage within this industry because it takes a long time to build a new semifab and to get the eventual end product to the auto industry. And autos have seen a huge jump in demand over the last couple of quarters. I don't know if you've gone to your auto dealer recently, but there are no discounts on cars and trucks and SUVs right now. In fact, in many cases, you'll have to pay above sticker price in order to be able to buy that, that car or that unit. Um, so the, the shortage is causing problems. Um, I, I would mention that longer term, more too much demand is not an issue for an industry. Eventually, the supply will come. Eventually, they will be able to ease the bottlenecks and we'll see solutions here. It's something that's on the radar. It does affect a significant industry within the markets and could affect things in the short term. But longer term, we don't see the semi-shortage uh, really hurting the economy too much or, or, or having it be something that can't be resolved. The next issue is growth versus value. This has been talked about all year long as value had a huge move up against growth, particularly uh, from the beginning of February, really to the middle of March. This has finally started to stop. Um, is the rotation over? We believe it is. We think that the run up in value is, is great. We don't begrudge it. Uh, we see a reflation of, of, in essence, cyclical assets in front of a reopening that we think makes sense. It's good for the overall market. Financials doing well is good for the overall market. Uh, we don't think things will continue to move towards value, though, because organic growth is either zero or very low. So the longer term investment proposition um, versus growth isn't as compelling in our, in our minds. Of course, we're going to speak our own our, our own book. We're growth investors, but typically you will see rotations during a macro change that can last three to four months. We saw it in 09 as an example, uh, when the government backstopped the banks uh, back in March of that year, we saw a real rotation into more riskier assets during that period of time. That took about three, four months for portfolio managers to adjust before things evened off. Uh, we believe we're in a similar sort of situation uh, today. Uh, the next issue is earnings. 
Uh, and wow, a, a third of all S&P uh, companies are reporting this week. Uh, smaller companies and mid-cap companies uh, tend to report a, a little slower than the larger companies, mostly because they're second in line when it comes to the auditors or the people that, that do taxes for major corporations. Um, we're psyched. We're pumped. We love earnings season. We love it when fundamentals matter more than macro. Um, and that's what you typically see during earnings season. We're seeing strength in a variety of different areas. One area that we've seen particular strength is, in, and we've talked about this in healthcare, is procedures. Procedures uh, have been up on average about 2% for the last 40 years. Last year, they were down significantly. This year, they should come back. You can't put off getting your hip or your knee done forever if you, if you have a problem there. So that whole industry or, the, or companies that are levered to procedure are, are, are continuing to see strength in terms of overall healthcare right now. Uh, for the consumer, um, it's been really nesting and people doing things uh, to their homes and around their homes. And this is really our topic for the day and what I wanted to talk about and why um, there are certain things that COVID will change permanently uh, within our country and what we're going to be living with going forward. And where it originally comes from is what we is what we call secular migration. Secular migration is really that people are now moving to uh, better areas of the country to live. We're seeing hundreds of thousands of people move move out of areas like New York and Chicago uh, and California, and they're moving to areas with lower taxes, cheaper land. Uh, easier access to the sports stadiums and the airports whenever those come back. Literally tens of thousands of families moving every year to areas like Charlotte and Charleston and Jacksonville, Tampa, Austin, Denver, Portland, you name it. And we call this secular migration. The reason we believe it's secular is that people are making these moves because they can, because they they can now work in these areas because of the network. You don't have to be on Wall Street to work on Wall Street. You don't have to be in Hollywood uh, to work in Hollywood. You can do that work in other states, pay less taxes, uh, have cheaper land, and so forth. And so we see this happening more and more and more because of that network capability. This is the same thing that air conditioning and elevators uh, did to, to the American landscape uh, back a uh, hundred years ago, where you're not going to have a building in Houston or Miami with without elevators and air conditioning. Once you had that technological advancement, you could see that movement. This is another technological advancement where you're seeing things change, where people can work in different area of the country, country, and they can also work remotely. This is going to permanently, in our minds, affect areas like commercial real estate, where we've seen the price of office space come down significantly in areas like New York and Chicago, as more people are working from home. And we believe more people are going to demand the ability to work at home. They're going to want a flexible work schedule where they can work virtually at least portions of their week. Some people work virtually all the time. Yes, some people will go back to work full time, but we think there'll be a permanent shift. And as a result, we're seeing tremendous strength in those companies that are oriented towards uh, nesting. That can be, be companies like home builders, but it's also companies that are involved with um, outdoor experiences like boating and RVs and, and other areas, improvement of the home with things like decking and pools 
and landscaping and so forth. Just terrific strength really across the board that we're seeing in those areas. We see this as, as something that will continue uh, for the years to come. It's, it's not, there are one-off COVID things that, that have happened that, that we think will slow, um, but this growth trend and this disruption to really a better way of living, we think is durable and we think will, will last uh, not just this year, but will continue on in the years and years to come. So that's it for the news and topic for the day. Uh, thank you very much for listening in. Again, if you do have questions that you'd like me to answer, uh, you can email mempodcasts at macquarie.com. Thank you for listening in and have a great day. This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or a solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Throughout this presentation, various securities and companies are referenced. Examples given are for illustrative purposes only and were not chosen based on performance. This is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objectives will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, you should consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, reliance has been placed without independent verification on the accuracy and the completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the marketing name for the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Investment products and advisory services are distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors LP, a registered broker-dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of Macquarie Investment Management Business Trusts. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, none of the entities noted in this podcast are authorized deposit-taking institutions for the purposes of the Banking Act of 1959 from the Commonwealth of Australia. The obligations of these entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank Limited. Macquarie Bank Limited does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these entities unless noted otherwise.